of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, Brushbeater Training and Consulting. The training calendar can be found over at Brushbeater.org slash training calendar. And in this episode, very, very special episode and one that I fully intend on making into a regular thing. I've got a group in here who I am honored to have been able to have trained with. Uh, and, and let me clarify something right off the bat. When I say that I train with people, right? When I run a class, I'm training with you. So I'm instructing it, but I'm also training. And at, that, that can be maybe a, a obtuse, um, concept to to wrap people's minds around but i'm training with people and it's a communal atmosphere that i approach everything from because i'm learning just as much from my students as hopefully i'm imparting on them in many cases and when i say learning from it doesn't necessarily mean it's isolated to firearm skills or tactics techniques procedures and in some cases it is because i have a mixed bag Right. And I have a lot of great students that come out of class. I have a lot of students that come out of class that have trained with some of the, the greatest, biggest and most talented names in the industry in our respective fields, whether it's handgun, carbine, so on and so forth. And I'm very honored by that. I'm very honored by that when when they come out. But where I gain my most knowledge and where I gain the most value in teaching the classes personally is when I sit down with them after the class, when I'm sharing meals, when I'm sharing dinner, when I'm sharing drinks, and we're sitting around the campfire and we're having those conversations that people don't get to have in their day-to-day lives. It's raw, it's unfiltered, and most of all, it resonates. It's something that we all need. And so in this episode, I've got a group of guys in here that I call the Millennial Militia. Because I've had them in a variety of different classes. They all know one another. They're all extremely talented individuals. And they're a hoot to hang out with. But not only that, they bring a lot of wisdom. 
And I think that they are absolute marquees of our generation as millennials because we get maligned a lot in different corners of the internet. We get talked down to, we get told we're this, we're that. There's, you know, some out there saved. There's no hope for society because the young folks are out there. But let me tell you, we're out there, we're doing it. And the the thoughts on freedom, the thoughts on personal liberties, the education backgrounds that we all have, that we all bring together. We're going to be talking about all of these things a heck of a lot more in the direction of America. And it's all in, at least in my estimation, a reason of hope for the future. For anybody that wants to throw their hands up and say that the world is lost, there's no way that we're going to head out of any of this, that there's no way that, that, that we can continue on, that things are just so bad that we're not going to surmount any of the odds that are being thrown at us. Well, let me tell you something. I got three people in the house right now that are going to lay those fears to rest because each and every one of them are capable individuals. Let me tell you something else. There's a hell of a lot more of them that I train in every single class. In every single class, I say again, in every single class that I run, and you can look at my training calendar, brushpeter.org slash training calendar, I'm running between three and four classes a month that are all full, by the way, right? They all fill up. A lot of young folks coming out, a lot of young folks that are seeking training, and a lot of young folks who are very, very well trained from other great instructors in the industry. <clears throat> so with that said, I had to clear my throat a little bit for that. With that said, in the house, I have Codame Silverback. Nickname for a Silverback Gorilla. This guy, let me tell you something. The carbine course, I knew within the first five minutes of meeting this gentleman that he and I were going to get along real, real well. He was carrying a what looked like to me to be a Winkler knife. And longtime readers, followers of mine know that I'm a huge fan of the art of Daniel Winkler uh, and what he puts out out there. And it turned out that he did not have a Winkler knife. He had one of Winkler's apprentices knives, but it was a damn good eye. And we had a hell of a conversation from there. He's extremely talented with fighting carbines. And even much more so now that he's been to the fighting carbine course that I've run. But, of course, he was quite talented before he was there. The credit is certainly not all mine. He's a product of many, many military schools. Before uh, coming out to the one, the, the one particular one that he's trained in mine. Um, and I was very, very honored to have him. I'm very honored to have him tonight. I am also... Joined by the sailor of the seven seas, a modern day Sinbad himself, a speaker of at least five different languages, the modern day purveyor of the India Pale Ale, an expert in literally everything and maybe, maybe just maybe the most interesting man that I have ever met. And I've met a lot of interesting people, but this guy seriously takes the cake seriously takes the cake i'm telling you if you drive a land rover 
that you put a LaRue sticker on the back of that says, God bless our troops, but especially our snipers, which I've got many of those bumper stickers, by the way. Mark LaRue is awesome, and he's a great dude, and he makes outstanding products. But whenever I see that show up at class, I know I'm in good company. Great to have you, brother. And of course, last but certainly not least, the Rolex wearing, blackout drive, driving, wheeling, and dealing, electrical engineering, son of a gun, Mr. Red Dot Rich himself in here. Because he's so cool, I had to give him that Ric Flair reference intro. Gentlemen, it's great to have all of you in here. Good evening. Ah, it's great to be here, brother. Thank you for having (laughs) us. Pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You knew it was going to be I'd like to. uh, I'd like to say good evening to my well-regulated fellows here. Pleasure to be on. Well-regulated. Making up that millennial militia. It's a dirty word. I heard, I heard, and I have it on good authority, by the way. This is no bullshit. I heard that the term militia scares Nancy Pelosi awake every morning at exactly 3.03. That's what I heard. I didn't know she could sleep. She may not. I don't know. She ain't going to sleep when she goes to Taiwan. That's for damn sure. They have, they saw like Surfer Vodka still there. Hey, she's going, she's going for it, man. She's going for it. You know, it's it's really funny that on a on the same day that she votes to strip away gun rights from American citizens for the safety of the American people, that she goes on a trip to Taiwan that risks World War Three which we all know it's going to be hot. Uh, yeah, no worries. No problem. It's just business as usual for the entire continent. Unbelievable. Top people, Top people are on this, Dr. Jones. Top <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, you smoked me out with that one. Top people. Top people are on it. No worries. We got this, Tom. We got this. Shakespeare said it best. The world's a stage. You know, everything that is, is, you know, if she makes this move, it's for some other counter moves. And it's, why go poke a bear that's already warning you not to, like, poke it? Oh, well, let's go see if we can do it. Well, you have to trust the experts, Will, you see. Uh, the, the the people that know know what's best for everybody, and it's not about your individual rights. It's about individuals that put hundreds of millions of people at risk is what's important. Don't don't uh, forget there are the there there are the known knowns. There are the known unknowns. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there, there, there's also the unknown unknowns. And then there are the unknown knowns, naturally. 
to quote our uh, not too distant uh, Secretary of Defense. Well, about Red that. Dot, you're the you're the <laughs> you're the uh, facts buff here. That was uh, what circa 2002 or something. Yeah, that's Donald Rumsfeld. I think you're quoting. Yeah. Oh, Donald Rumsfeld. But, but, or, like not not too long after we got into really, um, well, not not too long after we got into it. Fight with some people that we spent fighting for a long time for no, maybe. Is this not before or after we lost a trillion dollars? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no, only that, that's time. the budget price, too. Yeah, so. no, you're good. I have a, I have a life partner who's trying to play the podcast, and there's a pocket full of shells being played very loudly <laughs> so uh, inappropriate for production value or no well one of the unknowns that that i want to bring up is kenman island uh so i've had a number of people that have asked me today um you know and, and of course this is sidestepping completely the uh you know pelosi and you know, meeting and all that. And we're like, hey, man, where do you, where do you think this is going? And I said, well, if, if I were a betting man and the, the guy in charge of the PRC, what I would do is take Kenman Island. And so Kenman Island lays roughly 6.2 miles east. The city of Xiamenjin in Fujian, which is right by Zimin Bay. Okay. So that's 116 miles away from Taiwan itself. This is the furthest most distance that Taiwan projects force towards China. Ah. See, and, and this is very important. They don't have the ability to protect people of Kinmen Island, right? And China has made a lot of moves to say that, hey, we're going to take Kinmen Island, and there ain't a damn thing that you can do about it. What are the odds in y'all's estimation that the Kinmen Islands are going to get an attack or some sort of show of force is going to happen on Pelosi's watch? Ain't nothing going to happen. I think what we're seeing, uh, the propaganda that's coming from the news sources, is a nothing burger. It's hyperbole. Uh, there's definitely some public support behind it. But, you know, if Nancy wants to go to Taiwan in an Air Force jet, she's going to do it. It'll be fine. Um, okay. I was I was going I was okay. gonna I was gonna make a, a deference. I was gonna defer to Rich. Uh, he's he's a specialty in geopolitics around here. But um, if I just 
from the little from the little that I know, um, I I wouldn't be super worried about things getting too wild straight away. But you know, that's that's nothing but a but a loose hypothesis. There's still more stuff to sell on the domestic yard sale too. We we it's haven't started true. selling enough. We haven't started selling enough of the natural resources for us to get to the point of true desperation. Um, you know, we haven't had to push a wheelbarrow full of cash to go buy a loaf of bread yet. This is true, man. This is true. And and with every move that China is making alongside Russia with BRICS, as BRICS becomes more and more relevant, the hegemony of the Fed is quickly coming to a close. Uh, South America, we, we talked about South America a lot. We mentioned South America when we were all sitting around a campfire out at uh, the last Fighting Carbine course when we were talking about it. You know, South America, I don't think we have any chance at gaining hegemony there uh, compared to the ground that we've lost. It's not happening. Uh, absolutely not happening. And, uh, I agree. you know, it's, it, it's short sightedness. I mean, the rise of China is also short sightedness. And, you know, you know, were you guys saying that it was very ironic that Pelosi is, is lock stock, you know, fully on board with going to Taiwan as some sort of half hearted show of force. I mean, we're, you know, we can't project force into Ukraine. But we're going to tell the Taiwanese that, yeah, we're going to defend you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking that there's probably some folks in Taiwan right now that are saying, uh, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if America is the stable partner that we thought it was for all these years. Uh, but then again, maybe we got them snowed. I don't know. Um, but with that said, the irony of her you know, going lock stock on this trip, going to go there. One of the, the tropes of World War II, and it is a myth, and I need to point this out. It is a myth that, um, that Haruhito, uh, the admiral in charge of the attack fleet that attacked Pearl Harbor and was involved in all of the major actions in the Pacific in World War II said that there would be uh, a rifle behind every blade of grass inside of the mainland United States, should there be a Japanese invasion. Now, he never said that. Uh, th that is a false attribution to the otherwise excellent war film, Tora, 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 which is uh, an incredible movie. Well, very well made uh, blows that that bullshit that Ben Affleck made Pearl Harbor a crap sucked. Um, but but Tor 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 was the real account of what happened. Um, but that that quote at the very end that was made, um, it, it's very ironic that that was attributed to a very viable world power in the entry to world war two how we got into world war two and that is a statement that was made as the justification as a buffer to say no 
We're not going into the mainland United States because that is a buzzsaw and it's a zero-sum game at best. At best. We're going to get our asses beat and there's no way that we're coming back from that. We're going to have insurmountable losses and we're going to literally lose our civilization. It's very ironic. How do you move logistics from the West Coast to the East Coast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're we're getting there. Right. We're getting there. Flyover country. It's ironic that that statement, and I go back to that statement, because we're on the cusp. There's a lot of people that can very easily argue the case, myself included, that World War III is on the very real horizon. Right. And so if you place the communist Chinese in the place of imperialist Japan in 1941, they they are synonymous with one another. History rhymes. OK. And so if if I were the Chinese with with monumental more manpower than Japan ever dreamed of at its peak, OK, and that that's that's specifically that's manpower, that's war material, that's war manufacturing capability, that's everything. That's all of the attributes that the United States rested on and said that we have going into World War II as a world power. Japan didn't really have that, and they knew they didn't have that going into it. There's a lot of reasons for that, but they they knew that they did not have that capability. They didn't have the birth rate. They didn't have the manufacturing capability. They didn't have it. The world the they they were there for their own survival and it backfired on them. There's a lot of reasons for that again. But with China, there's there's a different story. And China is very much in the same position today that the United States was in in 1940. The United States, on the other hand, is very much in a extremely detrimental position, at least from my estimation and a lot of other people who are very well educated on the topic. But you don't have to be well educated to understand that when you don't produce anything, you don't have force projection capability, period, period. And Ukraine is a perfect example of this. And so here well, we are. Scott, does, does warfare have to be kinetic? Not necessarily. And and and, and sure. I'm getting there. Stick with me. So the the going back to the quote of a rifle behind every blade of grass. All right. It's very ironic that Nancy Pelosi is very openly beating war drums headed to Taiwan for what? Who knows? Right. Force projection. That's all we can say is it's force projection. Meanwhile, she is forcing a vote on an assault weapons ban. And I found that quite ironic because just on the cusp of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Ukraine was arming its citizens with what? Assault weapons. So which is it, Nancy? Which is it? What what is it going to be? Are we going to be armed? Or are you going to try to, in a vain attempt, by the way, to disarm us? Which is it going to be? So, guys, the assault, the, the quote-unquote assault weapons ban that they have done a, a end of the term 
might as well call this a lame duck session because a lot of these Democrats know that if even if there's voter finagling and shenanigans that go on, they're probably not getting reelected. They don't care. Right. They're in running this through. Guys, let's discuss the assault weapons ban. Let's discuss the second and third order effects coming out of this. You nailed it. I mean, uh, if you look at the comparison between Germany and World War II and the United States of America, the United States of America could produce a plane every hour, a boat every day, uh, a ship every two weeks. We could manufacture, we could build, we could we put our economic power of manufacturing into the into the war effort. And if you look at it comparison to China, if we went to a war with China, they're gonna outbuild the heck out of us. We don't we don't hold a prayer to it anymore. We we export dollars and we bring in products. Uh, world War Three, if it's against that part of the world, we're not going to win. Assuming it doesn't go nuclear, in which case no one wins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what other opinions? Well, oh, go well, ahead. I'd like to point out. I'd like to point out a little bit of the hypocrisy on. You know, on the home front, we've got the Speaker of the House banning weapons and then going abroad to stand up for democracy. You know, it was the Japanese that said uh, behind every blade of grass. But what if that was the feeling about Taiwan? Right. How would that curb, uh, you know, Chinese aggression or, or, you know, Chinese advancements? They're like, well, we could do it, but. It's going to be messy, you know. Instead, what are they going to do? Steamroll a bunch of people with, you know, not much more than kitchen utensils. I mean, come on. Um, right. And then she's going to go over there and say, "Well, you know, we need to stand up for them." You need, but what is it? They're going to sell them something, right? They're going to do them a favor, and they're going to owe a favor, whether it's money or votes in the UN or or whatever it is, right? It's it's little quid pro quo. Um, but you know, on the home front you know, disarming people and then going abroad and saying, oh, well, we need to stand up and make sure that this country is, you know, looked after, make sure they can defend themselves, make sure that they know who's on their side. And it's, and it's the, you know, the United States military and, and not that the people can defend themselves, perhaps. Right. So I think there's yeah, a little little uh, hypocrisy, a little irony in that. She's good for hypocrisy. Uh, <laughs> she, she is very, very, if, if there's one thing that we can count on Nancy Pelosi for, it is hypocrisy, uh, you know, plain and simple silverback. What's your thoughts, brother? I, I, mm, mm. I, I think that if you, um, if you're going to be the world's police and you are sending money out as fast as we're sending money out 
you have to maintain the status quo of being the world's police. So just like the conversation we had about the radio station earlier, what you do abroad versus what you do domestically, they look at a lot of people as just the, the bottom feeders of society that can't put two and two together. And that disparity between viewpoints is really, it's caused this friction to where we are now. Right. And I would really like to say that we could all come together and like, Hey, let's, let's stop doing some of these things or let's stop doing this or let's, you know, go back to 1950s American production. But we've been asleep at the wheel for too long that now that's not really a viable option for a lot of us. So I don't see how this can be anything good. You know, but at the same time, I've stopped living my life to where the sky's falling. You know, I, it, go out and do your things. And if she's going to enact this weapons ban, at what point do you become a Confederate? At what point do you start walking the talk and, talk and living that life? So, you know, I'm, I'm a little different. Fucking man. I'm a How about different. yesterday's? Is, yes, is yesterday a good, is yesterday a good day to start? Becoming a or start being a Confederate is 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 yesterday a good day or is today better? I got asked a question on Fourth of July and that really kind of resonated with me, and it was, um, "Your ancestors are looking down on you right now. Are they proud or are they ashamed?" And it really made me think about some things and like how I was doing things and how I was approaching things and, you know. I can tell you now that my ancestors are proud of me. Can we all get to where that is the case? That's a damn good point. Hell yeah, that brother. That's a damn good point. You know, like, like, and, and that's something that's lost on a lot of other, um, I would say a lot of other subgroups that are out there that they, it, they they really lose that, you know, and, and there's there's for a lot of reasons, man. When you start talking in in those terms of like, do I make my ancestors proud? Oh well, you must be a, a quote unquote a this or a that or a nationalist or yeah, yeah, man. I you know like like people fight harder for their 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 home homeland. Period. You know you you fight harder. For the the place that you are from, you know th- this it, 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 it it's a universal truth, man. It it you know like the guys that were in Iraq, the the quote unquote Iraqi insurgents, man. You know I had it put to me by a guy that, that I'm very good friends with, black kid from uh, uh, Houston, and you know really good friends with him. He's a good guy. Uh, he's got two purple hearts. He's the only person I've ever known that got shot in the head twice in two different conflicts. Right. He got shot in the head in Afghanistan, got shot in the head in Iraq and, you know, lived through both of them because of the, the design of, of the K-pop. Right. But he put it to me in a, in a way that resonated, man. He, you know, we, we one night 
we went out, we were meeting a quote unquote source, right? And this was in Iraq. And, you know, guy's full of shit. He's handing us off, you know, a rusty fucking belt of dishka ammo. Like it, it's, you know, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, a dishka is a, is the, the Soviet equivalent of, of a 50 cal, right? So they hand us this rusty belt it's of fucking ammo. on the ammo. back of the Hilux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this shit is rusty. It's fucking. It's it's all beat up. They hand he he hands it to us. They want money, right? And so I'm talking to, uh, you know, the guy in question. We climb back in the truck and we're kind of reflecting on like we really got called out for this shit. And he's like, I mean, it, it is what it is, man. They're acting in their own self-interest because this is where they're from. Like, we're going to eventually leave and they're still here. You know, like this is their home. This is where they're from. He, he's like, honestly, like I'm from Houston and I wouldn't act any different if an outsider came in and this is the way that they they were and they they fucking run shit and there's not a lot I can do about it. I know that if I stand up to them directly, I'm going to get cut down. And that's just the way that it's going to go. This is how I would fight things. And I would just wait until they leave. And then, you know, then it's game on. And so that really resonated with me. I'm like, man, you know, you you got you've got an insight, man. I mean, there's common sense there. But that's exactly Silverback, brother. That's exactly what you just pointed out. You pass all the fucking laws you want. You can do whatever you want. It's it's at the point weapons in America and and the AR-15 specifically. Like I'm an AK guy. I love the AK. I love the AR-15 too. I mean, I carried it across fucking you know three deployments in the Middle East. My fucking Remington 700 guy fucking you know used that shot people. It's fucking you know that that was the you know, the M24 was was a weapon of choice. But here's the thing, man, like it doesn't matter what it is. We we are so proliferated at this point. We don't give a fuck. Like you can say whatever you want. You can pass whatever laws you fucking want, whatever edicts, because here's the other thing, too, man. You guys just like two weeks ago were saying the Supreme Court's not legitimate. Because of Roe versus Wade, because you want to murder your fucking inborn fucking babies, and you know, like, like, you know, you, you want to justify hedonism, right, at every juncture, but now all of a sudden we're supposed to obey your law because you pass it. We don't give a fuck. Like we don't give a fuck. You don't get to pick and choose. If you're a liberal, you don't get to pick and choose which laws you like and which ones you don't. And which ones that you deem appropriate for everybody else doesn't fucking work that way. And so Silverback, like you said, man, at what point do you check out of the system? You say, hey, I'm done, man. I'm fucking done. You know, I'm going to be a a Ragnar Danskold from Atlas Shrugged and say, I ain't part of this no more. Fuck you. And I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. Well, that that comes back to that comment about well, ancestors, that, that, you know. That brings, yeah, you know, that's back exactly what an 800-pound gorilla does. Just do what you want to do. Um, that comment about ancestors, you know, you're, you're 
you're a culmination of all the people behind you. You know, look at all the things they've accomplished and all the things that they've been through. Why, why would you lay down and show your belly to someone who's giving you mean words? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, that uh, Red Dot, go ahead. I didn't have to say that the uh, uh, I think the uh, general consensus of of people uh, not agreeing with the government is a good thing. And whether it be on the. Yeah. From the Roe v. Wade side to the Second Amendment thing to being like, yeah. Whatever you all decide in Washington, that's eh, all illegitimate. I think it's a good thing. I think it's healthy. Uh, at the end of the day, you can't beat the signal. Like people are going to do what they're going to do. And uh, I, you know, I, I think like you know, if you're a right winger, you know, you're like, yeah, small government, get out of my face. And then even the lefties who are like, yeah, we need bigger government to, you know, tell us what to do and make mandates. And, uh, yeah. I, I think they're even like, you know what, forget it. Why are we fighting with each other? We should be fighting against the government. I mean, this is tyranny, whether you're a lefty or a righty. Right. You know, I mean, I think I think. Republicans or right wingers or whatever you say, like, you know, up until the war on terror, our whole consensus was, hmm, nah, big government, no thanks. And then the lefties were like, no, we need bigger government so that we can have a vote on what everyone else has to do around us. Like, it's not working for anybody. I mean, Washington, D.C., the federal government, it's not working for anybody. So I think we have to come to some sort of agreement, and I, I think we can create even allies with lefties at this point, where it's, yeah, you don't have a vote in my life. I don't want to share uh, uh, a government with you, you know, or I don't, I don't want to share a country with you, let alone a government. Like, yeah, do your own thing, be an individual. You. It, it, you want to live in a community that like shares resources? God bless. Go do that thing in your own little thing. But are you talking about balkanization of the United States? Yeah, well, that's what's happening. It's it's going to be slow. That's a, and, that's a disaster because then it's North Carolina versus South Carolina because of resources or materials. There won't be a war. We'll be reunified. Uh, okay, Carolina will be reunified. And it'll be reunified under the Scout Crown. Okay. It'll it'll be called the Great State of Carolina. The Great Appalachistan of Carolina Appalachistan. Will be a Appalachistan is a region in the Great Great State of Carolina, and Appalachistan is that region that nobody messes with. It's like well, Georgia. It also Georgia includes parts of a few people. other states. No, but like, yeah. why should why should people in California have a, a vote? in what people in Appalachistan, how they live. There should be- States' rights. You bring up a great point, 
you bring up a great point, Rich, which is why do we have to argue about what we each can tell each other what to do? It's just if you know what the right thing is to do, then carry on. You know, you go go about your business. You know, if there because wasn't further all the, if there wasn't all this meddling, if there wasn't all the meddling from the government telling you what you can and can't do, there wouldn't be the argument, would there? It's just the simple fact that we're arguing over who gets to have the power over what we're allowed to do. And 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 today it's about abortion, tomorrow it's about high capacity magazines or whatever it is. But if you're so sure that you know the right answer, then you should be sure that you do the thing that you need to do and leave me to do the thing that I believe that I should do. Right. Yeah, so I, mean, I, know, I think that's actually something I have I haven't thought about personally is like, yeah, let it let everyone lose faith in the system so that we can discredit the system. They're right, doing like, a good job of that too. I mean, the the auto delegitimization or, you know, I've seen it called a lot of different things. Um both online and in a uh, academic sense as well. And th- there's a lot of validity to all of it. When when you have eroded the power structure, one of the big problems on the left is this big identity crisis that they have that, you know, well, we're not going to obey this law, that law, and the other law, right? We're going to erode the support and, and the legitimacy of certain structures of government, but yet at the same time, simultaneously, we're expected to uphold others and they're co-equal. That's the problem. And that that's the heart of the problem right there. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's quite ironic. Um, where do you think this assault weapons ban, quote unquote, that Pelosi is, is really pushed. She forced to vote on, uh, I think personally, the House knows they're in deep trouble and they they know essentially this is the the lame duck session before the lame duck session. And they're they're forcing a vote on something. So we have an assault weapons ban that has passed the House. It has been sent over to the Senate. What are your predictions for where this goes from here? It's uh, to me, it's it's cannon fodder. The midterms are coming up. The the Democrats have controlled um, essentially three of the four branches of government. If you include the Senate and the Congress separately uh, for two years, they've provided nothing. The president is feckless and, you know, they're just trying to throw something out there. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Like, I, I don't like that it barely passed. But I don't think it goes anywhere in the Senate. And, uh, I mean, if it did, of course, the, the commander-in-chief, so to speak, would sign it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think... He'd rubber stamp it. Let, let's, let's be specific. He would rubber stamp it. <laughs> but... I, I don't think it goes anywhere. That being said, I bought a couple of barrels today just to make sure I had some spare parts. Um, <laughs> I, out of protest for the most part. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think our political class, their whole game now is just dividing us. Like, I think, you know, this might be far out for this for this crowd, but 
um, dividing the left and the right. That's like politics, the two-party system. We fight each other on culture war um, when there's a lot of stuff we agree on. Like, you know, Nancy Pelosi is doing insider trading and stealing. They're all corrupt. They're all criminals. You know, they get to that echelon of government that who wants to be a part of it? But they get there and, you know, they get there, you know, by preaching ideals to people and they get votes by it. But they don't deliver anything. They just collect checks. They're just making money. I mean, I, you know, it, it, we, in, in 2020, for instance, we were talking about this before. You know, like I was like, you know. I think we need police. I think that's like a good thing for society. And they were all about tearing it down and destroying it. And, and, and at a time of our nation being in peril, when we we're all kind of didn't know what was going on with the pandemic, you know, we all wanted to think like we're all in this together. And then when it was politically, you know, useful, they were like, well, let's burn this mother effort down. And that was the point where I was like, oh, okay, we're all, we're all on our own here. Uh, right. And, and, you know, that's the realization that a lot of guys uh, with the Occupy Wall Street movement came to. Right. right. That they, they were in there. Dude, I was fully on board with Occupy Wall Street. I was fully on board with it, man. When when I got out of the army and, and kind of having a where where I was, I had a I ain't gonna say a front row seat, but I definitely knew some of the shenanigans that were going on. And you sit back and you look at that and you say, dude, you know, like like there's there's some fuckery happening here. And, you know, what is what is the long term objective? Because, I mean, you know, I had buddies that literally died in my hands in Iraq. And mm. I, I want answers for that. Like, I, I, I want solace for that. I want to know that, that their death me- fucking meant something. And when it when it doesn't, when you don't have answers for that. You start to to look like, man, you know, I'm starting to look at, at some of these social structures here. I'm starting to, to question things. I'm starting to ask some some uncomfortable questions about why these things are the way that they are. You know, one of the most influential things that I read coming back from Iraq on my second tour coming back from Iraq was called A Soldier's Story. And uh, it was by a Russian guy who had been in the the uh, Russian uh, or the the Soviet Afghan war, and he was a Russian paratrooper in the VDV, and he was talking about his experiences there. And I remember like when when uh, a friend of mine suggested it to me, and he was a public affairs guy. And uh, I had worked with him. He was a public affairs guy. He was a, uh, worked with civil affairs. And uh, he, was, he was shadowing them very closely. And we were working specifically with them in, on my second tour in Iraq. And 
he, you know, when we got back from that tour, he said, Hey man, you know, like I've got a book that you need to read. He had, he had a few books actually that they recommended that were really good and very influential. And one of them was that one. And I read it and, and, you know, like this, this right here, this, this guy's a Russian. And I, I remember like being a little apprehensive at first. Cause I'm like, this motherfucker is a Soviet. He's a fucking communist. I don't, I don't give a fuck what he has to say. I, you know, he's a fucking commie. But when I read it, like he had me in the first chapter when he talked about that ambush that walked into, pulling his buddy out, and I'm like, this, you know, this experience right here is mine. Like this, this guy is me. You know, like I'm putting myself in here, the same emotions that he's conveying, everything. This is all me. And the most emotional point in that book for me personally is when he was talking about when he got back home and when he got back home to the USSR, he saw how his parents had aged and they were old. And when, when he had left, he did not see them as being that old and how the, the war had worried them to the point that it had. And I saw that, you know, like I saw that, that, that was me. I saw that in my parents and that when he, he was on his, his post-tour leave, you know, like however the, the red army did it, then they gave, you know, gave him a few weeks off, same shit that we do, you know? And, and so he's got his few weeks off and he's bumming around his hometown. And he's like, there's a guy standing on the street corner with his medals on and he's yelling the loudest about how he's, you know, such a, a, a heroic war vet. And he knew that guy. And he's like, I knew that guy. And he, he was a fucking coward. I knew him. He, he didn't, he didn't do shit. He was a fucking coward. And he's standing on the street corner shouting as loud as he can that he's a veteran to anybody who will hear him and collecting the rewards of everything that they are willing to offer. And that had such a huge impact on me when I saw that, when I read that and I stamp that right there, that right there, that is some shit. And the further I go, man, the further I go in all this, I see that, you know, like the, the Dan Crenshaw's of the world, you know, fucking high patch fucking Dan, you know, Oh, I'm a Navy seal. I'll, I'll vote away all your personal freedoms, but I'm a Navy seal. And I was in fucking wherever the fuck that he claims he was in. And, and I lost my eyes. So you can't criticize me. It's like motherfucker. Yes. The fuck I can. Yes. The fuck I can. Uh, I can. Because guess what? I was a cool guy too. And jackass, you don't get to fucking do this shit because it, it's very interesting that you leave out the World Economic Forum. You leave out how you want all of us to eat fucking bugs. You leave out all of this shit out of it, but you put in what you like, right? And you appeal to, oh, I, well, I was a SEAL, so I'll always vote for the national strength. Because I was part of that. 
bull fucking shit, man. And so red dot brother, I think one of the things that you say, it, it especially resonates with me where you talk about how there's this artificial, um, in some respects, left, right divide where we're really there's, I would say that there, there's a segment of the left and the right that are not that far apart politically that if if we set a couple of things aside, if we're willing to say, you know, hey, like, look, you know, some of these things, like I'm willing to set aside the fact that, you know, I, I'm not being on the, the caustic factors to social cohesion, you know, s- some of that stuff that, you know, the, the outward projections of uh, uh, homosexuality and, and all that stuff. But if if they're willing to tone certain things down, don't indoctrinate kids, you know, like make a public statement. We're not going to indoctrinate kids. We're not into that. If they were able to do that, then, hey, I have no further beef, you know, like, period. I have no further beef. Me personally, I have no further beef. If you're going to say I'm not indoctrinating kids, cool, you know, like. I don't I don't have an issue with you economically, you know, reeling in going back to like like some of these guys, man, like like Tim Pool, you know, Tim Pool was a left wing guy, man. He he was an organizer of of, uh, 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 Occupy Wall Street. I'm 100 percent on board with that. We need to reel these guys in, man. We could we look at look at the transfer of wealth that has happened just with. The money that's been sent to Ukraine with no oversight. And they say, oh, you can't look at what we're sending over there. Oh, and how dare you fucking question it? Well, dude, you know, like, I I think the anti-war left could get very much behind that position. I I think you're 100% right. I think that, you know, we're definitely going to have arguments in the future. But I think it it might be important for us politically to realize that we can make an alliance now on things that we agree on that need to stop and and end it and and whatever that is. Um, and at some point in the future, we can be like, yeah, the left's more big government, the right's more small government. But in the meantime, we have to stop the corruption. And the nonsense that's happening right now in this country. And I, I, even if it's a temporary alliance, I think it's for the better. And, you know, we can have our agreements in the future, but there's a lot of stuff that we agree on right now that we can fix, I think, a lot of problems. And, you know, and then if that alliance breaks up in the future, so be it. That's politics. That's populism. It's it's not this corporate controlled nonsense that we live in now where, you know, you know, Jeff Bezos is is uh, is uh, benefiting greatly from us fighting each other and, you know, tearing apart small businesses. You know, how about we look out for the little guy and our neighbor and our, you know, the people in our town and, and try and support each other. Versus having this top-down, left-right debate. It's so complex and it's so confusing, but we can do better. We can make alliances at the right time. 
where we're like, you know what? We don't need to spend $100 billion on Ukraine. I don't think that's benefiting any of us. I think that there's a lot of us that, that can agree on that on the left and the right spectrum and so on and so forth. I'm in complete agreement. I agree a lot with Rich, you know, it, 100%. Scout, have you ever done flow control? Like a lot of uh, moving a lot of people at once from one point, point A to dispersal points? Oh, yeah. So you start with a big group and you continuously break that big group up, right? This line gets sent to here, then there's break off for this element, break off for that element, break off for this element. They're going here. It's getting smaller. Then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. If you take society as the same thing and you continue to break it up into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces, how do we develop teams where we all have the same ideas? You know, we had the conversation before the show about boomers and FUDs and millennials and Zoomers. We're all into the same ideas, but because we've been made to think that the other one is inferior in some way by whatever method of propaganda was coming this way, it makes it to where you can't come together and work like work together for a team for a group. And when you and I were at the campfire, we were talking about we will never come together unless it's an outside threat. It is that's how we you know that's how we're always going to be right. At least, so, right that you know it, it, at least. Based on all the factors that we see, there has to be a superordinate goal, meaning an outside threat that that poses to us, because it's very easy to break us down into categories, you know, and, and generational labels is definitely one of them. You know, we, we were talking about the before we went on air, we were talking about, you know, boomers, FUDs millennials gen z gen x so on and so forth and how you know like each of us really despises labels man because we use them nowadays we use them so derogatorily that you know and and we're all guilty of it we're all guilty of it there's some baby boom folks that i absolutely love man and and i have a mountain of respect for man you know, the Vietnam vets that I know, they they fomented my core thinking of, of the way that, that I think and the way that I operate. And, I, and, and that is an undying level of respect. I'll do a, anything for them, anything for them, you know, and, and, and you know, when, when, when you're looking online and you see some of this venom that gets spit, you know, I wrote a piece. It was talking about, and it was owing to that very conversation that you and I had that, that you're alluding to. I wrote a piece that went up on on a burning platform, Jim Quinn's website, which is excellent, by the way. And I, I just skipped through some of the comments there. And I, you know, I'm not responding to the comments there because why not uh, or, or why it, it, it's, it's counterproductive to do so. But it was a bunch of people that were like, oh, this guy just doesn't like boomers. Or this guy's whatever. Or let me show you a video 
of of millennials. And it's it's like one of those gotcha videos of fucking dumbasses where they, you know, oh, uh, you know, let, let's ask this dumbass on the street who 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 wrote the Constitution. You know, like, of course, the motherfucker doesn't know. Like, who cares? Who cares that that's like, I mean, but you could pick any generation and you could have done that. OK, you could have done that shit. You look back at the at, at, at the boomers and they say, oh, you know, like we were, we were paragons of virtue and we were this, we were that motherfuckers. The, the hallmark of your generation was crawling around in the mud at Woodstock, drugged out. OK, like let, let's let's not do this. OK, let's let's not have this argument. Let's sidestep it. And let's say, okay, look, you're an American, I'm an American, and you can either get on board with what we're doing here, and you can say, hey, you know, I'm willing to work. And there's a lot of folks who have, okay, there's a lot of folks who have. And that's my point that I'm making, is is that we're, we're given these artificial labels that we're assigned and we're supposed to fall into. And there's a reason for that. And, and Silverback, I, I think that, that there's probably a really good point um, that, that it is, is to be understood there of don't adhere to those labels. You know, it, it, if the shoe fits, wear it. But if it doesn't, fucking sidestep it and, and Charlie Mike continue moving. I'm a big I'm a big fan of history, and if you look back at the troubles, um, there were some older guys that were definitely knew how to do some things that the younger guys didn't know how to do. And there was a Damn removal right. of ego. There was removal of egos, and instead of, hey, I've been stockpiling this for however long to do this, to, but you can't walk a mile in your kit, you know. That's that's gotten to the point where, well, could you teach younger people how to do the same thing and maybe share some of that kit with them? Amen. You know, that's where that's where our mindsets have gotten. So like. Most people who fall in line of this category of um, fuck you, make me tend to be alpha personalities. How do you get a bunch of alpha personalities together that are want to work towards the same goal? Usually, like as we talked about, you know, the sticker, the carrot, what's going to be the motivation? And when we talk down to one another and we refer to one another with these labels, it doesn't get us anywhere. And something that I really appreciated about your training course was, was that when we walked across the, uh, the range line, all the egos got checked on the parking lot. You know, it didn't matter who you were from the new people that were just shooting the rifle for the second time to people who were, you know, Sailor Jerry, who's on the phone here, top of the class. And all the egos were checked. We were able to accomplish so so much more training because we weren't trying to be like, oh, you don't have this cool guy stuff or you don't have this. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I, man. I, I shot I shot most of your course with a uh, you know something that I wasn't familiar with, 
it um, hey, but it taught you some very valuable lessons. Oh, I absolutely. will say. You you absolutely. learn how to clear malfunctions like a fucking champ. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, I can carry it around in my little purse. So, you know, that was the big thing for me was checking the egos. And when we get into this bridging the gap conversation of every time we get divided, we get weaker. And there has never been a central message that people could rally behind or say, yes, I want to have that America. Well, what exactly is that America? Can, can you describe it to me in detail? And we had this conversation in one of our fireside chats at your courses. And I asked the question, okay, if we had a time machine and we go forward and we get through all this nastiness, what would our ideal scenario be? You know, what, what would be our goal to fight for? Is it more of the same five years from now, we go through whatever we have to go through. The next thing you know, we're wash, rinse, repeat. Or is it going to be different? Right. And, and, and yeah. yeah man. The only way that it's going to be different is if we can go from the older generation being able to listen to the younger generation. You never get new ideas unless you have new blood. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's funny. I, I get reminded by the by with you uh, doctrine of uh, special forces and you you know it's 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 very easy for us in these times to you know draw battle lines of left and right uh, or uh, you, know, you know I mean at this point there's thousands of different doctrines and people that want to do different things but we should be creating allies and not enemies at this point, because I think a lot of this country knows where the rot is and knows what needs to get fixed. And I think it's very simple. And I think if we can at least agree on some line of thought that we can fix a lot of the division in this country, the and, and and try to avoid a civil war that I pray doesn't happen, but we're on the path towards. One and, that's going to be 100% exploited by the Chinese. 100%. I, wrote a pa- I wrote a paper on this years ago that it was, how do you kill a, like a, a giant state like the U.S.? You first create enough torment in domestically to where they start killing each other. You know, the United States is one of the most armed countries in the world. Why would you want to send anything that's conventional over here that's just going to, there's, you know, there's your superordinate goal right there, Scout. Oh, they're Chinese, you're attacking us. Let's shoot them. Man, you listened. You listened to something I said, even though we were drinking liquor and we were having a good time and we were smoking cigars, but Ah, you Man, I went to, to public some school, sociology, you know, like, some three hundred level sociology, man. Thank you. So, thank you, seriously. If if you're gonna kill a giant like the United States, 
you first weaken it to the point that you can bring it down to its knees, right? You're not going to be able to take a headshot on something that's twice your height. So you weaken it through subversion, just like Yuri said, to where we don't know what we're fighting for, but we're fighting against each other, whether it be over resources, whether it be over civil strife, whether it be over racial concerns, whether it be over, I don't like your hair being green and you don't like my hair being blue, whatever. Those reasons are superficial because they're engineered to spin people up to be this dramatic and emotional thinking. So when you spin these people up and get them really festered up and killing each other, there's going to be two ways. The first wave is going to be the mass killing and exodus of the people who can get out are going to get out. The people who can't are going to start killing each other. The second part of that is going to be more of a, a resource strife, tribal strifes, warlords, regional things, not so much a free-for-all chaos. After that, you come in as a rescue crew. Hey, we're here to help. We're here to rebuild your society. We're here to make you better. You don't have to go out there and fight for chicken eggs and a loaf of moldy bread. That's how you kill a giant. You don't assault it from the front. You bring it down from the inside and then you come in and make it like that. Yeah, it's 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 really funny. Like uh if you talk about the riots in 2020 it, and you know, our reactions to that, I think we're probably all kind of similarly aligned, but we're like, yeah, this is cultural Marxism and and forget that, right? We're all on that same page. But in doing that we're creating this divide and i think i think it's important for us to recognize like nah man like let's get together let's let's keep it real like these ideas are poison and and that's how i think all of us feel about this and in this division but uh let's find some common ground and let's I, let's do some work together so what yeah. what work what work is it that uh, a handful of Minutemen like ourselves should be doing? Uh, just being level, more, man. I, I think being more resilient. You know, yeah. we would, you know, be ungovern be ungovernable, be ungovernable. all of us. Be self-sufficient, right? I mean, if if you don't depend on anyone else, then you don't depend on someone telling you what you can and can't do, isn't it? Right. He, well, here, here's a perfect example. So my uh, close by neighbors, okay, they're they they run a hippie commune, okay. They have a giant amount of farmland, all right. And, and when I say giant, you know, like it's it's not huge in the big term of things like it. It's uh, it's probably about 80 acres, but they have a big amount of farmland. All of it is arable land and they are using 100 percent of it. Right. And they are growing a lot of food there. So 
the, and this is something like talking to the the guy that runs the commune. Okay, this is a hippie commune. These guys are communists. All right, not you know I wouldn't say necessarily like Marx. We're gonna overthrow the fucking system. Communists, but communists. Is it a commune or a cult? Yeah, well, no, no, no. It's a commune, definitely. It's it's not a cult. You know, but I mean, yeah, no, no, no. It's it's something like that. I mean, they've they've got people that are coming from the local universities. You know, we've got several universities around here, you know, nationally known. People are coming there. They're like they they're part of it. They're they're coming there. They're indoctrinated to that culture. They're left wing guys. But here here's the thing. Is that I can ride down there, right? And I can talk to them, and I don't have a beef with them. They don't have a beef with me. And we share things with one another. We get along with one another. And while I don't necessarily adhere to 100% of their ideology, I can also recognize the fact that I grow organic food as well. I believe that. You know, personally, we should be reducing the amount of impact that we have on our own environment. Like, that's not a bad goal to be looking towards. Okay, like this whole carbon footprint thing. Yeah, that's probably bullshit. But at the same time, I see it for what it is. And so if if I can explain it to them that like, all right, this is a giant wealth transfer and I can say it in terms that they understand. Okay. And I have done that. And this is why year after year, we get along very well. The, these aren't people who, you know, oh, well, you know, if, if anybody who doesn't adhere to my political ideology, I'm going to fucking shut you the fuck off. Right. They don't adhere to that. And so I get along really well with them. I don't agree with everything they do. I don't have to agree with everything they do. But the fact remains that they grow a lot of food. They are very talented. They're well organized. And I mean, period. There's there's a lot of good stuff to be had there. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff to be had. Yeah, and I mean if yeah, and if things get real weird, then I mean, you know where to find food. So there's that. Right. Well, well, well. Like leftism, leftism works on a small scale. I'll have to admit it. Like, if you and like twenty of your homies are like, yeah, it's we're gonna do all things here. together. A hundred and fifty. That's that. It works on a small scale. It's the problem that we have with left and right when they're like, no, 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 we want to do leftism on a large scale. No, 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 that's not going to work. It's not going to work at all. Like if you want, I've never heard this before. Yeah, I don't know if this is a if this is an idea, but I think uh, Silverback you said something about 150 the the tribe mentality. But if you don't know the first names of everybody who's pitching in. I'll just say that if you don't know the first, if you don't know everyone by first name and you're all working together, then it's not going to work. It, yeah. It, like it, it's break, broken down on that tribal level of, all right, Hey, 
Mark, hey, Tim, hey, Sally, like, hey, this is what we got to do today because, you know, uh, grandma needs this, that, the other. Okay, great. Yeah, well, let's all pitch in and take care of grandma, right? If if you know each other on a first name basis, then sure, a little a little uh, collectivism, we'll call it, can go a long way. But you're talking at a at a state or a national, federal, or God forbid, global scale. Are you kidding me? Like absolutely not. Like, yeah, absolutely like, not. It don't well, work, I we, man. I think we can all agree that like. Um, uh, you know, 400 people in Washington can't make decisions for someone in Missouri or even California, or they're incapable of knowing the intricacies of their lives. Now, if you want to be in a little community with like a bunch of people and like you're going to fu- you're going to share the, you know, the efforts of your labor. Yeah. God bless. Like that makes sense. But, you know. Uh, on a grand scale, undoable. I mean, just nonsense. You know, the the to think that someone should have a right from California to have uh, a decision on my life in uh, Arkansas. No, y- you have no clue. Right. If you right. want to have a little community that like. Y'all agree that like you're gonna work on something together? Yeah, God bless. Enjoy yourselves. And and, and and in the in the prepper community, I think that you know that that holds true. Like if if you're gonna have a, a group of people who are like have a common defense plan, and, you know you're gonna take care of each other. That's great. I think that's great. But to do that on a large scale, big failure. It's not going to work. I mean, right. history and uh, human nature, they prove that an incorrect theory. Not going <laughs> to work. Right. Right. So, you know, we talked a lot about the, the problems of the world, quote unquote. Some of the solutions, you know, shifting to training, because that has been that's the answer I give everybody. You know, people, I have people email me all the time. And they're like, oh, man, Scout, you know, like, shit's so bad. The world is so bad. What do I do? And, you know, like, I can't do this or I can't do that. And what do I do, man? You know, how do I build community? I'm like, come out to a class. You know, I don't know who you are. I've never met you in person. Have you ever come out to a class? As soon as, and this is 100% true, and all you guys know this, you know, that's why you're in here. As soon as you come to a class, you meet, you know, 20 people or more in in some cases, some cases a little bit less, you know, of of people that are like-minded and similar cultural objectives and, you know, we like these guys you can drink a beer with them. You can have a conversation with them. You you know, it, it the class is more than the instruction. Okay, the culture around it is worth, at least in my estimation. And it, yes, I understand. I'm the guy that that's administrating the course and running it. I get it. But it's the culture that I'm after. 
That's what I'm looking for. Here, here. That's mm-hmm. right. Hell yeah. That's a. It it it's it's fostering a culture around the the training community. You know, and, and one of the things Red Dot brother, one of the things that you commented on was you said, you know, hey, you got the best stocked tailgate bar I think I've ever seen, and that was mm-hmm. like a literal quote from you. Because I had Balvini 14, <laughs> I had Diplomatico, <laughs> and I had Florida and mm-hmm. Abelor, and who I knows? I the rum hat there. Oh, man. Like, that was what I had. And I bring that to every class, man. I bring that to every class. Because I want a culture around what we do. I want right. a culture around that. I want guys... To not just come to class, have a good time, have a fraternal atmosphere to it, but also to say, hey, man, you know, I was there and we talked about this and we talked about that. Right. And so training, training is a big part of it. Red Dot, brother, you got your nickname from Red Dots on Handguns. And let's talk about it. But let's talk Actually, wait. If I can, if I can interject, he got his nickname from basically telling every all of his friends that if they don't have red dots on their handguns, then he's not going to be friends with them anymore. So Ow! that's 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 mostly Ow! where it started. Is, well, I have like, a green dot. But it, it, it was a on a handgun. So do it I? It was a blessing. It was a blessing. It was it was peer pressure for the positive, you know, like someone who tells you, like, dude, if you're if you're fat, I'm I'm not gonna hang out with you anymore. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, maybe I should get fit. You're like, oh, maybe I should get accurate. It's all right, it's go the right. hot girl. It's the hot girl reeling all them hoochies in. She's like, nah, you know, like like if you if you ain't hot too, you know, like maybe you ought to not eat that honey bun. I'm just saying. <laughs> little positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. What? I am. I let me let me say something. I am intimately familiar with the sorority culture of a certain northwestern North Carolina town that may or may Sounds not like have centered around Cone Dorm, and we'll just leave it at that. I'm sure my age too. Anybody that knows, it, hey. If you know, you know. I say, if you know, you know, baby. If you if you know, you know. Oh. Mention the name Winkler. I could mention some other names. I could say Justice. I could say Cone. I could, you know, I I, I could start start name dropping. But if you if you're from Northwestern North Carolina, you know the deal. And so that that's all that needs to be said right there. Uh, but you know, point is coming, coming from training, let's, let's, let's circle back, right? Let, let's get, you know, put, put metal into the meat when it comes to training. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the, 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 you know, the, the problems of the world and how to solve them and, you know, getting past some of this divide and this divisiveness that's out there. Let's talk about training objectives. You know, red dot, brother. You, you've talked about putting red dots on handguns. I got a green dot on a handgun, so don't hold that against me. 
Oh, but, oh boy. Oh, 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 oh boy. Oh, but, you know, weapon setups, because, you know, OC, you, you've got probably the most functional setup that I've seen come to a class, um, you know, period. Red dot scope, knowing knowing that your working environment is a, you know, heavy rhododendron, you know, quick snapshots, right? Red dot. Another working gun that you've had has got a Night Force MX-8 on it, IR laser on both of them, and you're highly effective with both, right? You're highly effective with both. Uh, the weapons that I've seen for, out of everybody in this crew, you know, products of solid training, solid underpinning, solid uh, advice that you found from from whatever channel that you found it. So and, and look, training and training goes training goes beyond. And I just want to make this distinction. Training goes beyond just showing up for class because yeah. showing up for class is, you know, that that's like. That's doing your due diligence. That's making sure you're reinforcing the right techniques, making sure you're not, you know, buying and having shit and bolting shit to your rifle that you don't need. You know, that's that's how to do it. But then after that, you need to go, you know, like in the Christian community, like you need to go like live the gospel. Right. So you don't just you don't just go to a course once a quarter or twice a year or whatever. You go to a course, you learn something, you take notes, you pay attention and then. You take it home and you go and you practice. And I don't, you know, whether that's whether that's dry fire, you know, you're whether you're drawing, whether you're doing um, barricade work on your on your basement door, you know, uh, whether you're doing, you know, walking at night with your buddies, uh, you know, in a in a simulated patrol, uh, you're doing it with night vision, without night vision, whatever it is, you got to go out there and you got to find actually what works. Find what doesn't work and that's actually the most important thing in silverback and and red dot both you know we've trained like hundreds of hours after hours you know friday night like no we're not going to the bar we're not going to karaoke night like we're gonna hop in the truck and we're gonna we're gonna take a an hour drive and we're gonna go to some remote area we're gonna walk around at night with our kit and we're gonna try to uh, we're gonna we're we're not even gonna try to create problems. We know we're gonna find problems. Start using all your shit at night and find what doesn't work. And when you find what doesn't work, you're like, wow, that really didn't work well. It sounded cool right. on the internet, or it sounded cool, you know, in the daytime. But all of a sudden, you're like, well, that didn't work. And and it's about paying attention, practicing, finding what are the problems, finding what the problems are, and then changing it up. You know, and you don't you don't end up with a carbine setup like I have or like any of us have. You don't just end up with that from being on ARFCOM, right? <laughs> you find out because like, well, that sucked. <laughs> you know, I just I just paid seven hundred dollars for something I I used once and it sucks at night. And I'm 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 putting it up on the forums for sale, half price. <laughs> I just want to get rid of this thing. You know, so. Getting I'm out there, building with a 16 inch AR and a can. Right, 
so you're, you know, practicing what you practicing, what you pre don't just do it once or, or watch it worse yet worse. The worst thing is something you watch it on YouTube and then you're an expert and you don't want to go do it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if, if anyone listening to this, you know, if, if everyone listening to this could just say, Hey, if you ever, if you've ever had your red dot fog up and, you know, become occluded and been able to work through it and still hit your target, raise your hand, right? Because it will happen, but you need to learn how to, you need to learn how to shoot when that, even if that glass is cracked or fogged or, or whatever, or switch to your irons or switch to your laser if you're shooting at night or switch to your primary optic because you have an offset dot, you know, whatever it is, like what's going to break, what's going to go wrong and how to fix it and what rattles, what makes noise, you're, you don't you don't know any of that stuff until so you get out there and you get after it and you find out in a nice peaceful uh, environment where it's just you and your buddies and maybe there's a little bit of uh, you know fraternity style heckling going on when your laser falls off your rifle or whatever. But get out there, <laughs> fucking go, figure it out, <laughs> figure it out, <laughs> find out what doesn't work and find out what does work. So training is like. Yes. Go learn it. Learn it from the best. Learn it from the best person that you can that you can have access to, and then go practice it and practice it and practice it and break it, break it and then fix it and then break it and then fix it again. And you're going to get better, but you got to put in the time. You like it, it's it, it's dedication. No one gets good at being a gorilla. No one gets good at at you know shooting targets far away quickly. No one gets good at that by accident. You know, no one. No one's born with those skills. It's practice, right? So that's that's training. Training is practice, not just you know every once in a while or okay, I, I you know I do my once a year qualification or or whatever it is. No, go out there, get after it, keep doing it, keep doing it, break it, fix it, break it, fix it, get better. Well, oh, I wish I wish be prepared to fix I, it in uh, the field. <laughs> I wish that I had more to say, but like you know that kind of sums it up. Uh, <laughs> my man. Um, but yeah, I, I, is it okay to bring it back to me at this point? But Ben, hell yeah, it. send always, you nailed it, bro. send it, always send it, send it, brother. You nailed it. Like, uh, I, I took, I took a, a CQB course this past weekend with, uh, some dev crew guys. Um, and they're super turned on. They're fucking hitters, and they're they're so impressive. And like, you know, doing teamwork and and uh, um, uh, CQB with them, you know, it's humbling because they always catch you making mistakes. And but like rifle setups important. And like, yeah, I am red dot rich, and the reason I have a red dot on my pistol is because I can use it under night vision passive i can use it during the day i can use it there with white go. light and, there you and, go and it works like you, the job gets done and uh uh you know if you go further into rifle setups <clears throat> my rifle setup like the debut guys were making fun of me because i have a 4 to 16 night force with a, a red dot on top of it and a mall and a white light at the end. So 
my rifle. Long distance, near distance, what yeah. the fuck? My rifle. <laughs> I already, my rifle. I already my rifle. know exactly what they were saying. My rifle is heavy. It's not made for CQB because these guys, you know, the work they were doing was in, uh, in frickin' clay huts. You know, tight quarters. You know, they're working ten fives with, um, you know, yeah. tall mount dots and and and, they've and done that. Yeah. And they're making fun of me because I have a a, a rifle that's good at things, but it's not the best at everything. It's the jack of all trades, master of none, right? It's it's oh. purpose built for something other than what you were doing there. Yeah, so they make they make fun of me because I have a fourteen five pin and weld because that's the legal requirements of this country at the moment, and um, yeah, it's a bit big for CQB, and it's a bit small for long distance, but it kind of does everything, and it's heavy and like I've seen heavy. I've seen red dot I've seen red dot smash eleven hundred meters with a fourteen five just saying so you know, a twelve inch target. At 1,100 meters, repeated hits, probably, it's, I'd say, you know, totally like 60, 60%. Yeah. Oh, dude. It's totally yeah. It's all good. Yeah. And, yeah. Do, and do CQB like a boss. Yeah. No, work can, work can get done. It's not about the equipment. It's not about the equipment. It's about the operator. It's about the guy behind the glass. That's what yeah. matters. It's you know what? Mo- like, fuck, fuck, fuck kit. Train. Get better. Don't buy more shit. Get better. That's that's what it is. It's not it's not about you know, yeah. it's not about which which brand or the new Fucking release or the version right. 3.0. It's like, yo, give give somebody who knows what they're doing a shitty old AK versus whatever insta famous operator with a $13,000 rifle. <laughs> I'm so guess, fast, bro. I'm so guess, fast. I'm guess who, I'll throw, guess I'll who throw I want to name guess, in that hat. Yeah, guess who I want to have on, you know, shoulder to shoulder. You know, I guess guess who I want to be with. It, it has nothing to do with the kit. It's it's the guy behind the glass. Now, that yeah. being said, Red Dot, you got a dope setup. And to your to this point, you operate it well. In in fact, against what the professionals, quote unquote, would were recommend, you know, there were ten five with the EOTech or whatever, and you're in there with a fourteen five and a four to sixteen night force, and I'm like, what are you doing in here? And you go in there and you mop up because you train, because you practice, because you care, right? You're switched on, like you're you're getting it, right? And that's what matters is going out there and getting it, not just buying the shit and posting pictures of it online, being like, oh yeah, check out my expensive rifle. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck it. Go train. Hey, 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 crypto. Like, I, you know, I'm not talking about shoulder to shoulder, but in a CQB scenario, I'd go play to play with you any day. Bless up, brother. Likewise. <laughs> My man. Oh, yeah. But, I'm um, just going to set the place on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, this is funny. Yeah, Scout, this is funny. Uh, Silverback has told me many times. Listen, you don't need to know CQB if you have enough grenades. Dude, there's some truth there. That may or may not be absolutely. 
Bravo. Uh, yeah. RD 54 Rooms, cl in, Rooms clear. Yeah. Like, if, if it won't clear, motherfuckers are, are sitting there mumbling and moaning and whatever. Like, toss a hand grenade in. No, I mean, it, it, it's a thing, man. Seriously. This is yeah, or, or light on fire. fire. One of the it, it, it's not really talked about this in depth a lot that uh training it comes down to play to your strengths i'm i'm not as good at the things that those right. two are but i'm better at other things and you know i played at those strengths and that's where you know we all get caught up in this everybody wants to be like john wick but nobody wants to train like john wick yeah and you buy this you buy yes. this cool guy shit yes. Uh, a friend of mine owns a owns a uh, small gun store, and what people come in there with, it's like, hey, dude, you just walked in with twelve hundred dollars worth of prior precision, and you can't even see your fucking toes. What what are you doing? Right. Oh, right. You right. Know, oh, if you can't see your dick, it, like, okay, you need to work on that. Like th that uh, first things first, you need to work on that. If you can't see your dick. You need to get out there, pound that pavement until you can. Okay. Or or take a take a playbook yeah. out from the IRA and change your methodology. Okay. You may have all this resources. Right. Right. But, well, you have the money to buy this resources. Well, let's put you into money of financing whatever needs to be financed. Or let's put you into a reloading lab where you sit your fat ass there at a bench for eight hours and don't turn out match ammo. There's uh, so many other things aside from the tip of the spear that people get lost on in the sauce in. And the auxiliary is more important than that cutting edge in a lot of ways, because how do you sharpen that edge without the auxiliary? It's really funny. Um, I, right. I, I uh, you know, I train a lot of CQB. I live in a city environment and it's all about teamwork. Um, and I, I don't have enough experience like uh, brush beater does in terms of like uh, team tactic team tactics retchy uh um you know you know getting out there in in a uh, a 3d environment but like at least in 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 uh and cqb uh it it's a weak player sport like um if you have someone on your team, say it's a two, four, five, six, eight man team. If uh, if you have a team, uh, a team member that's like the weakest link, man, it creates problems. Um, and so like in terms of like militiamen and militias. Uh, you got to get everybody up to a certain standard to where everybody kind of knows what the other guy is going to do because he knows what to do. And if, if that doesn't exist, whew, the problems get exponential. One guy gets hurt. Then the two guys are helping him. And then, you know, that eight man team turns into a five man team and things fall apart. It's like, so it's really important, but, Jump, jumping in on a couple of those points, um, what Silverback said, 
about logistics, about support, about auxiliary is exactly right. No one, not everyone needs to be the tip of the spear, right? Play to your strengths as we do. That's what, that's what we do as you know, in, in our, in our group, we play to our strengths. Not everyone needs to be a door kicker and not everyone needs to be, you know, high speed. If you have the ability, right. then use it. And if you don't, then yeah, sit your fat ass down in the reloading lab and pump out match ammo for the boys. Um, and Red Dot, what you said about, um, you know, the weak link was an idea that you and I discussed, I think from, what was it? Some uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, strong link versus a weak link sport, which is, I mean, he talks about it in, in, in terms of uh, basketball and uh, soccer, strong link and weak rats. And then, uh, on, on a soccer team, the best thing you can do is is elevate the level of your lowest players so, because not one player picks up the ball, dribbles it all the way down the field and scores a goal, right? It's a team play. It's, it's, it's all about teamwork. So your weakest players are the ones that let you down the most. That's where you have the most mistakes. That's where you lose goals. That's where you, that's where you don't win games versus basketball, which is a strong link sport where Basically, if you have one badass player or maybe two badass players, they're going to win the game for you. The other guys are just kind of fluff, right? It's it's kind of a it's kind of a one man sport with That's like a, a couple point. other dudes wearing the same jersey, right? So, and and in not just CQB or not just gunfighting or not just you know not just you know direct action, but in preparedness in the in the community readiness in looking out for each other it is it's a weak link sport it's more like it's 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 a lot more like soccer than it is like basketball you know it's a whole team there's 11 dudes and everyone has to work together and know their position right not everyone's going to be the tip tip of the spear um not everyone needs to be high speed not everyone needs to focus on this particular aspect or have this kit or whatever but if we all work together and and continually move the ball forward, eventually it's going to end up in the goal, right? It's not just, oh, pass it off to LeBron, he'll score, right? So, so you know, what do you want to call it? Minutemen or militias or community defense groups or mutual assistance groups or whatever it is, it's a weak link sport. So focus on upgrading your weakest links rather than just parading around your all-star players is like, wow, this guy, sh he's got like 0.12 splits. Like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about the guy who can help here or can support here. And all together, we can get to that common goal and we can, we can win. We can win together by working together. And let's, let's lift up the lowest rather than just exalting the highest. Hundred percent, dude. 100%. Yeah, I I completely agree. So, like, um, if you're working if you're working a hallway, and there's you know, which is two D chess, right? You know, you're looking at lefts and rights. You're not even working about elevation in terms of combat. Um, but like two D chess, if your weakest player is like switched on enough to know that like, okay, we're going to 
barrel up and I'm going to take forward security and I'm going to take the right. And then the guy behind me is going to take the breaching position. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to cover that door. We've got long security and the whole team, whether it be, you know, four five, six, seven, eight is unexposed. It, it, it's so crucial that the, the guy who knows the least at least knows what his job is, whether it be forward security, watching the point of daylight, you know, being the breacher, you know, working his 50 plus 10. It, it, it's so critical because the, the team works that way. And it, it, it's not even a hard job. It's just knowing where you need to be and what you need to do and not worrying so much about you but what you're doing in the team that that makes team tactics work. And then in, in, in the – because CQB is a, is a two-dimensional combat kind of um, – uh, uh, equation. If you can, if you can take that guy and get him elevated to the point where, like, oh, you need to start working three dimensionally with elevation instead of just left and right. Man, you've got a combat team that can fuck shit up. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Ah, I like talking. So teams, yeah, team. I mean, t- the team also. You know, that's another. I had a, a couple thoughts coming into this, and part of it was, you know, forget all the details about, you know, which which optic you're supposed to buy, or who makes the best AR, or what which which grain ammo is is actually the end all be all. Um, it's you know you can fuck it go train. Was yeah. a little mantra that I've been been building myself and um, you know some of the stuff I've talked with you boys about recently. Uh, but also all this stuff and and actually um, Scout, you had a podcast the other day with uh, uh, the dude in Tennessee about. Uh, communities building readiness communities uh i didn't i didn't actually get through all all of that podcast um but a lot i think a lot more time should be focused on having a team on having a group than it is about having the shit having you know six months worth of food and and you know, 10,000 rounds and blah, blah, blah. I've got a night force this. I've got a, uh, you know, whatever Gucci shit you want. I mean, we all have really nice night vision and really nice rifles and really nice IR illuminators and all that. But what's more important is having people that you trust spending that time rather yep. than surfing the internet yep. figuring out figuring out which which dot you should buy um 
you know, you should spend that time not just, you know, it's not about, oh, well, you need to go out and meet people or yes, that's part of it. Yeah. Go out and meet people, but also cultivate relationships. Also the people that you already know, introduce them to the mindset. You know, Silverback is actually putting together something on Sunday for uh, some people in our area, which is going to be incredibly inclusive. Um, so <clears throat> maybe even the left could get along with it because it's so inclusive. You don't have to be good at it. That's the hallmark of what we're trying to do here. And that's the that's only right. way that you're you're going to bring other people to the cause of liberty and to understand, like, look, okay, like, you have your individual belief system, whatever it is, right? There's some inherent flaws in it. Okay, but, like, this is what we're training you to do. This is what we're preparing. Are you talking about the guy in Tennessee or – oh, sorry, never mind. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, (laughs) I know, but we're, we're preparing you for something better for higher calling for something of a defensive nature, but you're, you're preserving your Liberty, you know, and, and to the left, you know, let's go a little deeper here to the left. You know, all the the LGBTQ plus whatever's out there, right? Every communist organization on the face of the earth that has ever existed wanted to get rid of you, okay? This is a fact. And if you don't believe that because your gender studies professor didn't tell you that or omitted that or just glossed over it in the the uh, foundational sections of your coursework material well let me tell you they absolutely do not like it when you are homosexual or transgender or whatever else okay and so that is a fact. And when you look at communist doctrine throughout history, right, throughout the the documented history that is, and I understand that communists out there say, oh, well, you know, history is cyclical and, you know, we can change history and what have you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you can't hit, you, you cannot, without a doubt, you cannot change historical fact. Okay, and they don't like you if if when when we're talking communist movements, they don't like you. Okay, period. So your best bet, you and I am speaking to all of you out there, and I know that there are plenty of you in the audience of this show. What I'm telling you is, is that you need to embrace a libertarian point of view. You need to embrace the fact that. You know, while conservative, here, here. incorporated, here, quote here. Unquote, right, they may not, you know, they may have unpalatable point of views. The left in America is only using you as a political tool. And that is an absolute fact that we have seen over and over and over again. So 
I'm not asking you to vote. I honestly don't give a shit what you vote for, how you vote. I don't care. Okay. I'm here for long-term political change, not short-term political change. That doesn't have anything to do with near-term political outcomes. I don't care. And that's also assuming that, you know, our, our politics in America are not a rigged game, which is a very good, very, very good argument that can be made that it is. So here's the thing. Support freedom. Support liberty. Get out there. Understand that if you are if you are genuinely part of the LGBTQ community and you're seeking freedom as well as acceptance, both of those are mutually exclusive, by the way. And you have to understand that not everybody in the world is going to accept you. But if you are looking for that freedom. That that freedom comes from liberty. That freedom comes from the fact that you are armed. The fact that you are saying to the world, yes, this is me. This is what I am. And I am armed and I'm not going to accept anything less than being a full member of society. And understanding that. And recognizing that. And that's a critical point. That's the point that we have moved very far away from. And of course, the the LGBTQ, you know, everything else has been hijacked by the left. Of course, it was. That was very uh, predictable. And here we are. Uh, But with that said, uh, you know, if, if you are true to your ideals, if you are true to the cause of liberty, You need to really begin to examine the underpinnings of that ideology and look very closely at libertarianism. Uh, But with that said, guys, uh, last words, uh, because we're coming in here. we, We have almost two hours and time has flown predictably. As of course it would. Uh, But last words on on your parts, last words, last things that that you want to throw out to larger community. Amen. Train hard or die fast. Yeah. Uh, Live free or die. Change your mindset. Silverback, you were coming a little bit broken, brother. I said, uh, change your mindset from being a sheep to being a wolf. Being oh, a wolf. that's a good one. Good one. Yeah. Pack, yeah, wolves hunt best in packs. And if you want to find a team, True freedom comes at all. And if you find some people who are just at all with the fastest way to develop trust is usually um other thing is build those like also where you don't have to have 
across each other five rounds around the ball. Those are things that has come with time and training as colleagues here. And don't get caught up in what looks like I'm something that works for us from the all surplus for and the five dollar. Oh man, I'm I'm getting silverback real rough. Is is everyone else able to hear him? He's low. Volume's a little low, but is that better? Not I, really. Yeah, it was just it was just cutting cutting out for me at least. I just that sounded it sounded pretty pertinent. I didn't want to miss well, it. I was just I was just saying that you know you things that you can to play to your strength. Play to those strengths that are best for you. And when you build relationships that are going to last the test of combat, that's what you're fighting for. That always comes down to Amen. All about those things when you start hearing the weird I'm a big fan I... of oh, and I appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah. Well, this episode is not mutually exclusive. <laughs> it, it, there are follow-on episodes. I assure you. I assure you. Excellent. Scout, thanks for having us. Uh, you're a good yeah, man doing the, doing the Lord's work out there. And... and Myself and uh, my compatriots certainly appreciate it. So bless hey, up, man, brother. And hey, OG out. Hey, the honor hey. is all I'll, mine. I'll, I'll I'll follow up, Commandante. You're a pleasure to talk to and and uh, and uh, be a part of the conversation. Amen, bro. Amen. Hey, God bless y'all. And I will be talking to you again and featuring you again because this episode broke some major ground. And I think that, you know, everybody in the larger Radio Contra audience needs to be hearing it. They need to be hearing the things that we've been talking about, contemplating it, breaking it down. But more so, even more than everything else, gain hope for the future. This is the millennial militia. This is the millennial minute man. Minute man. This is the millennial group that is taking up the torch of liberty for the future. Here, here. God bless you all. Amen. God bless you all. Have an incredible evening. Continue on the path of liberty. Get out there and train. This is NC Scout. Out. Back away!